Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com folks you're listening to the john DePetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website depetro.com it's wednesday heat wave has finally died down a little bit and uh if you're on vacation this week uh not the best weather but at least we got rid of the oppressive heat hey as far as um the Pawtucket soccer stadium channel 12 has a good piece completely shoots a hole in the governor mckee plan and uh and i want to play it listen to this from wpri now on wpri.com i'm ted nisi well for weeks, Target 12 has been digging into the financing plan for the Pawtucket Soccer Stadium, which has changed significantly due to a big rise in the cost of that facility, now estimated over $120 million. And recently, the Commerce Corporation had a vote, and Governor Dan McKee cast the tie-breaking vote to shift public money that was supposed to go toward housing development around the soccer stadium to go into the stadium itself, about $60 million now of taxpayer money between the state and Pawtucket. Well, my colleague Eli Sherman has obtained documents showing that the amount of tax revenue that will be newly generated by the stadium is not expected to be nearly enough to cover the payments on the bond the taxpayer is going to issue to pay for that stadium. The numbers get a little complex. Eli has it all broken down in a story on WPRI.com, but in short, they expect about half a million dollars to be generated in new revenue from activity related to the stadium, but it's going to take $2.1 million to pay the that first year of bond payment so they're going to have to scoop up other revenue from existing businesses in that area of Pawtucket this is state revenue but generated in Pawtucket that'll go toward that bond lots of questions around the future of this project which was originally pitched as one that will pay for itself and Eli has a really comprehensive breakdown on wpride.com I urge you to read it but that's the big headline the bond payment not enough coming from the tax revenue to cover that. We will continue to track this closely in the coming weeks. For WPRI.com and the Target 12 Investigators, I'm Ted Nisi, 12 News. Folks, that is a great report by Channel 12. And I want to, um, again, just explain to people, you know, of course it doesn't make sense because none of it makes sense. They're not building it to have a soccer stadium. They're, they're building it, as I told you, this is a gift to labor. Governor McKee, total conflict of interest, Folks, if he wins this primary, if he becomes governor, we are in for dark times. I have seen enough. He just gives money away. It's all giveaways. It's all pandering. But this was not designed. This is a gift to labor to give them, let them build a $150 million no-bid contract soccer stadium. It's, it's completely ridiculous. There's no reason for it. That's why it doesn't make sense. And the numbers aren't going to make sense. He did that because George Neen made him do it. This is nothing about what's the best for us or you or that this would be a good idea. None of that comes into play. Zero. That's not what this is all about. This is about Governor McKee and the union uh, executives treating him like a puppet on a string. And that's what it comes down to. So, no, it's, uh, it, it's terrible. Now, I also want to give credit to, we're going to speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe 
But Dan McGowan uh, has a piece. It's cowardly not to debate. And it's exactly right. It's in this morning's Boston Globe. It has to do with both the lieutenant governor and also in the primary for treasurer with this James Diosa. So, but I want to focus on, you know, Sabina Matos. So she was appointed lieutenant governor. I, to me, she doesn't have the right to not debate. Like, this is a joke. She is not debating. She doesn't have time for it. As I've told you, the whole reason she's not debating is they're afraid that every time she speaks, people hear that she speaks in very almost broken English. And she is, she again, she was an elected lieutenant governor. Same thing with McKee. And I don't think uh, either one of them are going to be elected to their positions. I don't think they should. But Dan McGowan, who we're going to talk to, writes... You know, there's a few justifiable reasons skipping radio or television debates when you're a candidate. Uh, maybe someone is either a loony toony right, so wants to be on speech to wild conspiracy theories or uh, whatever it is. But Lieutenant Governor Matos, basically, uh, she's refusing to participate in the Lieutenant Governor debate. So, uh, they both of them are political newcomers, he writes. Matos was appointed not elected lieutenant governor. But folks, he controls that office. He controls her. Yet they're acting like they're too important to take part in debates. So the fact, and for her to say, you know, we just don't have the time. Sabina's got an active schedule. Uh, we just can't do it. We did the one debate. And then going through, he writes, you know, her lovely accomplishments. That That's not what it is. She's hiding and trying to run out the clock. Now, it's going to be up to their opponents to bring that out and uh, draw attention to it. The media can't do that. So, but the fact that he, Dan McGowan writes, if we let Matos and Diosov talk now, what's to stop them refusing to debate in the lesser known Republican opponents in the general election? Well, the answer is they won't. And I'll tell you, that lieutenant governor, she is not qualified. In my, she is not qualified to be the lieutenant governor. She was appointed to that position. She hasn't done anything to change my mind. And I get that it is, in fact, it's, a, it's still a job with no real job description. But the fact of the matter is um, she should not. She should not have that job. I don't think she's qualified to have that job. And now she's hiding. And she won't even, you know, really put herself out there for people to decide whether or not she's the right person for that job. So I think that it is, um, it's wrong, and I, I hope more people draw attention to the fact that she should not be allowed to just hide and, uh, and not debate. But I, I am telling you, if you go back to that Channel 12, she did one debate, one debate, and she it was it was tough to understand her english is not her first language and she struggled she understood she she really i don't even think she had ever done a debate before she struggled in it there were times i don't think she fully understood the words meaning the 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 it's not just what a word means but it's also in the context of how it's used i don't think that that um, I, I think that it showed that, as a matter of fact. I think it showed it, that she was just not up for it. And they saw enough. Listen, if she had done very well... Now, the other thing about debates is a lot of times people, they feel they're going to have a few debates, so then they don't, you know, come out right out of the box. Um, they want to hold it a little bit, and maybe they feel, okay, we're going to kind of get warmed up, and then in the next debate, we'll get going. Keep in mind, like, the presidential debates. There's a big difference between the first one and the third one. But in, in this particular situation, her opponents didn't, you know, they had the opportunity right there, and she was happy to just kind of sit by the wayside, and now, in fact, she's not even going to be part of it. So she she's not going to be part and doesn't want to do any of the debates going forward. There should be more... There should be a chance to hear these people. But what gets me, it's, it's kind of like Dan McKee. He wasn't even elected governor. I don't think he doesn't, you don't have the luxury to skip out and say, no, I don't think I'm going to participate. 
you, you're, you're fulfilling the term of Gino Raimondo. And folks, at this point, he is willing to say and do anything to just try to get elected. Um, I, I, I am, like many of you, we had, we had high hopes in some ways. I had heard positive things about then Lieutenant Governor McKee, allied a small business. People would get him on the phone, he'd listen. But it is, it's just turned out to be the numbers speak for themselves. And that soccer stadium is the best example. That soccer stadium, they need to pull the plug on it. This is a joke. And keep in mind, labor, they don't care, right? It's like the scene out of Goodfellas, the guy with the restaurant. Oh, really? Business is slow? Blank you, pay me. Oh, really? Someone, something happened? Blank you, pay me. They don't care. All they do is they want the money. He strong-armed McKee to cast the vote on that. And I still think the vote, the entire vote was in question because why um, Governor McKee was doing the tie-breaking vote on that soccer stadium. But I want to applaud Channel 12 for digging in and showing that the numbers don't add up at all. All right, folks, we have a lot more ahead on this Wednesday. Also, the latest, uh, we're getting more details about the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago and President Trump. We'll have that. More fallout on Block Island. We're going to talk to Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Again, it's John DePietro. And folks, remember, visit the website depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Visit the shop. It is open for business. You want to contact me. A lot more ahead. The heat wave looks like it has ended. It's Wednesday on the John DePetro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, Petro.com. Joining us right now is a columnist with the Boston Globe. It is uh, Dan McGowan. And Dan, I'd like to start off uh, simply because Providence was your beat. And uh, longtime serving mayor, Joe Dorley. If there was no Joe Dorley, there wouldn't have been a Providence Civic Center. But he did pass away, and I thought it was interesting on your your position with Channel 10, one of the things they had you do, which some people don't realize, but you have to have a, an old bit ready for when someone does pass away. So I want to just start off and uh, hear a little bit because you know more about Mayor Dorley probably than I'm going to put you in the 1% club as far <laughs> as knowledge of him. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Like, you know, one of the, the kind of uh, the jobs that people don't realize that, you know, reporters have is, is to, uh, you know, prepare obituaries for, for people um, in, in the event that they die. In fact, I remember when we did it at channel 12, um, it was, you know, about a year before uh, Buddy Sancy died. And I wrote oh, Buddy wow. Sancy's obit ahead of time. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course you update it as it, ha- you know, as things happen. And so, right. you know, between me and uh, really me and Ted Nisi, um, over there, you know, there are a lot of people's obits for people who are still alive, which is very right. strange. Um, you know, and, and Mayor Dorley is one of these really interesting figures who I never got to know, right? He, he was long out of the political picture and, in fact, retired oh. by the time, you know, by the time I entered uh, this space. But the, the great thing about, you know, Providence in particular, it's a soft spot in my heart for this, is, you know, you get to talk to the interesting people who knew him, right? Mayor, Mayor Palino, who gave his, um, his eulogy, uh, you know, was a big fan of, of Joe Dorley's. What you learn, uh, you know, was that Joe Dorley was a really important figure in the city's history. Like you said, the convention center probably doesn't happen without him. This is something he wanted 
um, you know, e- even more of something kind of throw a bone to, you know, what would now be considered liberals. I mean, he was a, a huge supporter of integrating the elementary schools, yep. uh, you know, busing kind of things like that. And so, you know, he, he, his, his track record, I think, holds up really well. I think a lot of people, if you do know who Jadorley is, you, you almost get a little bit of the, you know, what you, what you read about him in Mike Stanton's book about Buddy Cianci. So there was this, there, I think the image, and my own image of him for a long time was, you know, he was a guy who was, uh, you know, who probably had been in office a little too long, liked to drink was, was sort of the way you know, his reputation, you know, his reputation was, but, you know, he, he was a very effective mayor, was a very intelligent guy, went to Notre Dame for college, went to Boston yeah. College Law School. Uh, and I'll tell you last week, John, I, I did this for Roadmap. Um, I hit all of his papers are, are, you know, publicly available at Providence College. It's in the library. Huh. And so you can go through, there are 300 boxes wow. of, of Joe Dorley's papers um, I'll give you this. You're going to love this. So, you know, it's, it's all organized into, you know, everything you can think of campaigns, political speeches. I mean, there are stickers and bumper stickers, all kinds huh. of things, but even in his correspondence, you know, it's let it's, you know, alphabetical order. So you got boxes a through, you know, a to B that kind of thing missing in his correspondence is the letter C so we see nothing between him and Cianci. Wow. Which is fascinating. Uh, and I, no, I have no explanation for that. Nobody seems to know really what happened there. Um, but you do see lots of great, and I, I published this, like I said, in Roadmap last week, you know, you, you, the things that politicians kind of got away with at the time is just fantastic. And there's one on city letterhead, you know, from the mayor's desk, he put out a yeah. press release accusing the the Democratic Party chairman of conspiring with his Republican opponent, Buddy Cianci, Um, you know, all kinds of just old press releases and just in, you know, speeches, handwritten John speeches, you know, that he had. So uh, as you can imagine, for somebody like me, uh, I spent, uh, I think it was last Wednesday, I just spent the entire day going through all of this stuff and really enjoying, uh, you know, what you could find because, you know, he's a really important part of the history and, and, and you know, mo- perhaps most importantly, again, as you said, was the convention center. I mean, you know, we're going to we're about to have a new name of it. But for a lot of people, it will always be the Civic Center. And folks should know that that was Joe Dorley's doing. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And, and I kind of should you, but I so I met him. He lived on Hilltop across from my cousin, the Kiris. That was a different type of providence. The Skeffingtons lived next door. Uh, but think of this. He was the last white Irishman who was uh, who was mayor of Providence at the time that Providence had. That's right. Uh, That's right. right. I mean, he uh, he he was a part. He and he was the I mean, we want to talk about a political machine. I mean, they yeah. until it falls apart. And this is how political machines tend to work. Uh, they had just immense power. Um, I think I, I sent you a couple of pictures, but yes. you know, some of the stuff that you find is just, you know, you'd go ward by ward in province, district by district kind of thing. And, you know, they'd, they'd have these flyers that they would say, you know, vote, vote, pull the master lever. No, I mean, there was no shame in it at all. <laughs> you know, vote for every single Democrat you've ever heard of. Uh, and, and yeah, that's exactly right. You know, he was the last of the, of the, of the Irish mayors kind of kicked it over for, you know, for, uh, really for three consecutive mayors between Cianci, Palino, then Cianci again, and then Cicilline to the, to, to the Italian right. uh, American mayors. And of course now we're, um, you know, we're, we're in a midst a little bit of a streak of Latino mayors. Yeah. You, you know what else, uh, Dan McGowan, ward voices were really powerful yes. in the city. And Joe Peroni of Plunderdome fame, he told me that it was, it was total common practice that if a, a councilman got you a job, you gave them your first paycheck. That's yes. the way that things that things work to the city. Now, uh, in Roadmap, you talk about, and a lot of people don't pay attention, but if you wouldn't mind just touching on the school board and the controversy right now with the Providence School Board, and it, it does seem to be kind of an important time in the city regarding that. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the context behind behind this all is, right, the state currently controls the Providence schools. You know, the truth of being told, we have not seen, I think, a particularly significant difference made. No. Um, you know, some of it you can blame COVID, of course, but, 
you know, the Providence schools are, are as much of a problem as ever. Yeah. And so there's this push, uh, you know, among, I think, I think there's, I think it's actually relatively popular among city voters. It's certainly popular on the city council to, uh, you know, try to elect the school board in Providence the mayor appoints the school board and has ever since Joe Dorley, actually. So, you know, has appointed the, the school board for a really, really long time. Um, now they want to go to the, the council wants to go to a half elected, half appointed by the mayor kind of thing. Uh, looked like it was going to go to city voters this, this year. And again, I think it would have, it would certainly pass. Um, but Mayor Lorza last, you know, last week on Friday decided to veto uh, oh. th- this decision. And so, the, the, the interesting little political theater here is as you and I talk right now, uh, today is the deadline for cities and towns to submit their ballot questions for November. So if the council is going to override the mayor's veto, uh, they, which they're going to try, they have to meet you know, in, in a special session today at 1230, uh, and they're going to try to override, which means they need 10 votes out of 15 members on the city council. I think they will override. The only question is, is it happens to be August. The city council takes the month of August off. Oh. So, so you get people to go on vacation. You've got people right. running for re-election. Um, and so it's a real kind of mad dash right now um, where it, you know, the, the council is going to try to override this veto. But uh, mayor is strongly against it. You know, his argument is there's no evidence that an elected school board uh, or even a partially elected school board actually performs any differently. And in fact, uh, you know, as, as I've talked to him about this, um, you know, you get more politics in play. Think about, it, you know, what it means if you if in Providence, you suddenly have, a, you know, an elected school board, you're going to have the unions on one side, yeah. you know, fighting it out with the big charter school organizations on the other. Uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of policy that is really shaped around the politics, whereas now, you know, you're beholden to the mayor. But at the end of the day, in theory, at least, the mayor is the one who gets held accountable for the schools uh, or should be held accountable for the schools. And again, any mayor, not just this one. Um, and so it, it's a little bit of a, a fight right now. And it's, it's kind of a battle between the, the outgoing mayor and the outgoing council president, John Agliozzi, who really wants to pass this. Folks, uh, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401 732 1730 j perry paving they are tremendous they also how about this once a month they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran and remember whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed call j perry paving for a free quote it makes a huge difference in your property in your home in your driveway or patio 401-732-1730 j perry paving 401-732-1730 you can also find them on facebook they're terrific hey get that driveway paved call and book an appointment now 401-732-1730 for j perry paving we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe and dan i'm so glad folks in today's edition of the boston globe your column a a cowardly political strategy in rhode island and it, it it's about deciding to skip debates and i'm glad you wrote it and especially well for both candidates that you touch on but for the lieutenant governor who was not even elected in a job let's face it doesn't really have a job description take us through a little bit of of your piece yeah so there are there, there are you know we're right in this process right with five six weeks to go before the primary where you're starting to get to, to the high profile debates right we we've all been to the you know the neighborhood forums but you're getting to the point where channel 12 is doing a debate and channel 10 uh you know you got the radio doing debates and uh and you know generally speaking all of the candidates that are running for uh, the major offices, certainly on the Democratic side, have all agreed to do these debates or, you know, Channel 12's released its schedule, all that kind of stuff, um, with a, a few exceptions. One is Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. Uh, she 
did the Channel 12 debate. That already happened, but she's refusing to do any other. She's not doing Channel 10. She's not going to do radio. Uh, and, you know, she's chalking it up to, well, scheduling conflicts. Let's be clear. This is a political strategy, right? They, 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 they don't want her. To, they think she performed just fine in the first debate, and they don't want to give her opponents, you know, more time to kind of uh, fight or, you know, fight her over this. And then the other candidate is, uh, is the state treasurer candidate, uh, James Diosa, Democrat. He did the Channel 12 debate. He is willing to do the Channel 10 debate, but he won't do the radio debate, uh, mm. which is, I believe, happening this week. And, you know, no explanation other than, you know, I want to, we want to reach our voters. We want to, you know, you know, we, we, we've got scheduling conflicts. Um, it, it's really kind of nonsensical, in my opinion. I mean, they're, they're making calculated decisions to not do this. Um, right. And, and as you so well, you know, accurately pointed out, look, Sabina Matos may very well be a great Lieutenant governor. It's possible that James Cioso will be a great treasurer, but these are people who, in their elections, right? James Diosa's biggest election, I think, in, in Central Falls, he got like 3,000 votes. Uh, Sabina Matos got half of that, you know, yeah. as, as a city council person. These two people are not household names in Rhode Island no. politics. They're not these, you know, important figures. This is not like Gina Raimondo saying, you know what, I'm not going to do every single debate against Matt Brown four years right. ago. This is completely different. Um, and I think it's an opening for the opponents for whether it's Stefan Pryor in that treasurer's race or Deb Ruggiero in that, in that Lieutenant governor's race. I think that, you know, when you don't pay attention, most people aren't going to pay attention to these things, but now they've got something to hang on to. Now voters might know, wait a minute, didn't that lady skip the debate? Didn't that guy skip the debate? And then you might only vote on that issue. So I think it's a major political miscalculation. It's a shame that they're doing it. Now, uh, Dan McGowan, as far as the Channel 12 debate and Lieutenant Governor uh, debate on that, uh, you, you've said in the past in covering her, you covered her on the Providence City Council. Sabina Matos, I, I thought, you know, she, she, you, you've even mentioned she's sensitive about her accent. When someone gets nervous and then you, this isn't like scripted, you have to kind of think on your feet a little bit. I found at times, and just, you know, being honest, that I found some of her answers. I couldn't fully understand her. And when your former colleague, Tim White, asked her that question about, he was alluding to the selection of lieutenant governor was challenged to put the least of, you know, Governor McKee wouldn't release the list and so forth. Yep. She misinterpreted what he meant and it started to answer saying yes we had many challenges when he came in um I, you you tell me you've covered her and watched her i thought she i thought she seemed uncomfortable in that forum i think she seemed uncomfortable too remember you know for okay. somebody who has been for for someone who has been in politics for a really long time she actually has had very few of those types of interviews in fact i remember yeah, if yeah. any, it, it, certainly not any debates. I remember when she was making her kind of rise up the city council, I believe to be the president. Um, I was the, I helped Tim White on Newsmakers. Uh, this was years ago. And she was incredibly uncomfortable. She was very yeah. nervous. Uh, and she does, she admits, she, she completely acknowledges she's always been very self-conscious about her accent. This should be very clear. Right? Sabina Mato's perfectly intelligent woman. You know, there's no, 100%. you know, there's yep. nothing to do with that. But no. she, she is very self-conscious. And I think, yes, I think there is a factor here where, you know, you, what, what I think they, they feel as though she did well enough in that debate uh, and they don't want to give their opponents two more chances to, uh, you know, to really take a swing at her, which they didn't do very much. You know, really, actually, no. that, that debate kind of fell into a Cynthia Mendez versus Deb Ruggiero thing. I'll say yeah. the other thing about this, and this is like the uncomfortable thing because I've worked at Channel 12, and but it just has to be said is there's a level of elitism in the in the political consulting community that they miss the boat on this, which is the thought process is well, well, Dan, we did the best debate. We did, you know, Tim and Ted do it the best. We did the the one that matters. Yeah, that, that completely, you know. Uh, negates the fact that channel 10 is the number one rated television yes. station, yeah. right? You know, it, there are a whole lot of people, thousands and thousands of people who choose to watch channel 10 over channel yeah. 12. 
and they're not going to get a chance to see this. And no. I, I think too many of these consultants, they outthink the room. They, they like Tim and Ted. They like the product at Channel 12. And so they think everybody watches it. Again, I am a Channel 12 viewer. I work there. Super loyal to those guys. But there is another station in town that yeah. really matters. That consistently wins, as a matter yes. of fact, in six and, and seven and eleven, and especially in the morning, repeatedly and, they win everyone. Yeah, Dean McGowan, who who do you think though? Do you think that was that the McKee people that pulled the plug on her doing the debate? Because you know, I was just thinking, it's one thing with television, you could see her, okay, and then someone would be like, I recognize that individual. Although I I would question how many people really even saw that debate. Sure, I mean, you and I watch it, yeah. but but radio would really be challenging. But I, I mean, you, you're plugged in. I, I heard it was, I mean, the knock on that whole thing is that his office basically controls every move she makes. Did he maybe pull the plug on any more debates, or do you think that was a Mike Rea consultant thing? I think it was a Mike Rea consultant okay. thing. Interestingly, I mean, there's this is the interesting divide between the, the these two camps. So you're exactly right. There's not this isn't this isn't at all a secret that you know Governor McKee control the governor's office oh, controls a 100%. lot of what the yes. lieutenant governor does. Interestingly, the people who are running. Sabina Matos's campaign. That's Mike Raya. That's a guy named Evan England who ran Magaziner's yeah. campaign years ago. Not fans of Governor McKee. No. You know, no. it's supporting, I would, I would assume, Helena Folks for governor. Yes. And so there is a little bit of a divide. I, I do, I think this came down to her consultants. I think she made a mistake. I think, you know, this is her first big run. And so you're, you know, you, you do kind of teach yourself to you know, be disciplined, listen to the people who have won before. And so in her head, she thinks it's the right move. Um, I, I'll tell you, this ends up close and, you know, she loses or, uh, you, you know, or it's even really close. And then she's vulnerable in a, in a Republic, you know, against a Republican. Well, that's it's going to come back to bite her. Yes. Well, if anything, by doing the debate, she get better and waiting in the wings. Let me tell you, Aaron, he's an impressive figure. He's a tall guy. Yep. He's got a big booming voice. Um, you know, she's, she's not going to be able to hide as much, uh, in a general election debate and you put her up on stage in a general election debate, granted he's a Republican, but when people really start to get to hear her and hear how just that you get nervous or uncomfortable a little bit, uh, Dan McGowan, you also, it is an interesting playing out in the treasurer's race where, um, as far as Diosa is with the McKee camp and yet. Ramundo, you know, was clearly with Stephen Pryor. Yeah, so throwing, throwing a fundraiser. On separate pages. Yeah, throwing a fundraiser for Stephen Pryor, uh, which is interesting because Stephen Pryor, you know, made a seamless transition. He was one of the only people in the administration who managed to make a really, you know, jumped right from being Governor Ramundo's number one cheerleader to Governor yep. McKee's number one cheerleader. Yes. But uh, Governor McKee, you know, is, is sticking with James Deosa. I think Governor McKee always felt a little bit bad that the Oso wasn't among those, the, the person picked for Lieutenant governor. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's a little bit of kind of payback there. I do think, and I think even Stephen Pryor has been a little bit vocal about this. I think governor McKee wanted him to remain the, the commerce secretary. And so yeah. uh, there, there is a little bit of an issue there, uh, you know, and that, that one's tough. I mean, I don't know if you caught the channel 12 debate between those two, you know, the treasurer's office is it's a sleepy office, but it's an important one. And you know, to me, I thought Stephen Pryor, you know, should, given his sort of educational background, should be able to kind of clean up with, you know, on James Diosa. Diosa, I thought, was not as good as Pryor, but I don't think he had any, you know, fatal fumbles or anything Agreed. like that. I, I think he, yeah. I, I, the way I've been describing it is I think he kind of held serve. Um, yep. And that race is looks like it's going to be close, and that's why you get Stephen Pryor, who wants to debate as much as possible. I think he called for twenty debates at some, at one point because yeah. uh, he wants to see, uh, you know, he wants this out there as much as possible. The challenge with all of this is, look, you, you mentioned it before. There aren't a, these things don't draw big ratings. They don't draw huge, you know, eyeballs online. That said, you, you know, if you're if you want to, you know, be in prime time. It is not that hard to go do a you know a debate with Gene Valcenti or go on the radio and do these debates. This is not you know you're not asking that much. It doesn't take you know no. ten months of prep not or all. anything like that. And so 
that's not, it's called a cow. I think it's a cowardly strategy. That, that's the thing. It's, it's a, stra- it, it, it's a conscious choice they're making not to do these debates. And I, before we, I, I think especially Lieutenant Governor, because Agreed. come on, she was appointed to that. It's not like it's her position. It's not like she elected when Gina Raimondo was the governor and wouldn't give Matt Brown debates. I mean, come on. He was, she was the elected governor. It was a primary uh, but this is, I mean, they're just trying to slip under the wire. You know, Tim McGowan, there used to be much more debates. Channel 36 used to do a debate. Yeah. Channel, I, I was on a panel with Hummel when we did the Democrats for the or the gubernatorial debate. Um, I mean, they just seem to be a lot more. I think people were better served. Uh, things would happen. The one exception with the treasurer debate was it was actually on Channel 36. And Seth Magaziner absolutely just dismantled frank caprio that's right and that was not easy because it's one of those you know a treasure race it's not easy to stand out and you saw that with newspapers but seth magazine wow that was skillful whoever you know really prepped him for that well tore him apart i remember that and and that's why you're gonna you know this is why Seth Magaziner, while you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the treasurer or the, the race for Congress, yeah. but Seth Magaziner uh, will be, you know, I know a lot, and I'm one of them that thinks, you know, Alan Fung is a very formidable candidate, but they get on the debate stage. Seth will come to play in that, in that debate, uh, you know. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 the senadale revival stop it and see them comfort food and cocktails you're gonna love the Centerdale Revival, located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Centerdale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, uh, big story, you wrote about it. It, it, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how mayor fung handled uh they're kind of fortunate because the block island ferry and folks you can read a very in-depth story about what happened on the ferry starting beforehand the fight afterwards in today's edition of the boston globe plus then you had the raid on mar-a-largo and there was <laughs> a lot of stories about it in the boston globe but just i, I want to hear your thoughts on this uh kevin mccarthy uh majority leader visit on saturday yeah you know there's a couple of uh, things here i thought it was a a little bit of a you know classic kind of alan fun blunder to you know to not kind of address it uh you know either ahead of time or at least on the weekend of uh you know he kind of he didn't tweet out while kevin mccarthy was saying hey i'm in rhode island this is great Right. Uh, so there was a little bit of i think i don't know if it was miscommunication or my my guess is it was actually a conscious um, you know, sort of strategy. The one thing I'll say, and this is going to, you know, I, as in the last segment I was talking about Channel 12, you know, there's this, it is not uncommon for politicians to pick and choose who they want to talk to, you know, in in big settings. Last year, Kamala Harris did one television interview. It was That's with Channel right. 12. So yep. in this case, Kevin McCarthy uh, went with went with Gene Valicenti, I'm sure chosen by Alan right. Fung in this case. That's fine. That is what it is. And, you know, you get lots of, you know, pushback and, oh, that's because it's a Sinclair station, lots of inside baseball stuff. Look, he wasn't going to do interviews with everybody. He was here for a fundraiser. The truth is, 
you could have argued that he didn't need to talk to anybody at all because it was a political fundraiser. I remember uh, years ago, Paul Ryan came to town and I don't think yes. he did any press at all. Yep. Um, I remember because I think I had to chase him around a little bit and, and he couldn't get close to the guy. Uh, you know, there are plenty of times where the president, you know, stops in different presidents, you know, stop in and they don't do a lot of press. So no. I, that part of it, I didn't mind so much. I do think this is a difficult thing to navigate for uh, for Alan Fung because, you know, he's going to be he, he's trying to strike this, you know, this cord as being the centrist Democrat. He's getting lots of attention from you know, there's a big article in Politico about him. I think the challenge he has is nobody in Rhode Island is reading Politico every day. Right. So nobody right. knows, you know, what what his national presence is. And so. You know, the Democrats, presumably Seth Magaziner, is going to do everything he can to say, you know, this is, you know, Alan Fung is tied to the Trump agenda, right? I actually don't think Kevin McCarthy re- uh, uh, resonates the way Trump no. does to Democrats. Right. That's Agreed. why. That's why I don't think it was all that politically damaging. I just, I just yeah. kind of wish that Alan Fung was a little more. I guess the word would be mature about it. I wish he just addressed it ahead of time. You know what? We've got him in town. We're really happy that the Republican Party is behind us and we're going to do a fundraiser and he's not going to do any you know, press time. Thanks very much. See you later. I, I, right. I, I sort of wish that, that that Alan Fung had taken that approach, which still would have generated fury, but it wouldn't have felt so amateur. Yes. And I think did you th- I, I thought it was a little bit of a pile on of, of people that, that were upset that. Channel 10 got the, you know, Gene got the exclusive. And so then therefore it, but it, it, it's reminiscent. I, I, it's, he didn't do anything wrong by having him in. If it's, nope. it's flattering, right? I mean, it shows just how much this race is in play, how important it is. Um, I, I, I thought it kind of reminded me, I think it was four years ago when he announced and then he immediately left the headquarters and wouldn't interview anyone. Um, it's yes. kind of odd when they, right, when they do that. And then you remember when Magaziner announced for governor, Everyone wanted to talk to him on the sidewalk, and then he got in and drove away with Florida. That's right. That's right. So, I, 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 to me, that's like a consultant saying that, Dan McGowan, but it's not, they're not there in real time. It, it wasn't the worst thing, but I don't know. It came off like he was hiding something, doing something wrong. There was right. no and reason he, for and, it. And he very clearly, you know, wasn't. I'll say this too. One thing about Channel 10. Gene Gene has taken some you know flack for the way he interviewed uh, McCarthy. That was the first time I maybe I don't know if it was the first time. It was one of the first times I'd ever heard McCarthy at any level of length. I thought he came across as a pretty reasonable, sensible guy. Yes, uh, yeah. you know it, it was not a you know he did not come across the way I think sometimes his written statements suggest. Right. Uh, right. Now he was in Rhode Island. He knew what he had to do. This shows you that he's a guy who knew. Uh, you know, he knows what the game plan is here. My guess Big is he is telling Alan Fung, you do whatever it takes to get elected. Yeah. You, I don't need you to, you know, vote with me every single moment. I need you to right. vote for me in the big moments and yeah. for me at the first moment. Um, so, you know, this this is a, a an issue that's going to play out over the course of the next couple of months. Um, again, I think the way you beat Alan Fung is probably to tie him to Trump, not McCarthy. Um, and we'll see if that's enough for Seth Magaziner. Yeah, McCarthy, listen, Dan McGowan, he's a national figure. He can handle himself. You know, he does the national shows, national interviews. If anything, I thought Gene seemed a little intimidated sometimes when he, a simple thing of asking him, like, I'm not sure I understand your question. And you're not used to that on a local level uh, in some of that. Of that that's right. So yeah. I, I think, um, I, I, and I understand the whole thing because when, when Fung was on Newsmakers, you know, they come out of the box and it's and I get it. You know, they want to ask about January 6th and Trump and so forth. So I, th- I think that may have scared them a little bit. But let's talk about, you know, Sarah Morgenthau, my opponent, just had Kevin McCarthy. Time out, David Cowan. He's not your op- opponent yet. And unless you can figure out a way to get Joy Fox out of the race, it remains the gang of four. And I just I'm looking for some reason to think that this race is going to be anything different than. Seth Magaziner is just in a comfortable lead. There are not going to be a lot of debates. I don't see any signs in CD2. I mean, I just don't see any signs. But uh, if you're the Magaziner camp, Dan McGowan, I, do you see any semblance of, granted, uh, David Siegel got the Jane Fonda endorsement, but I just don't <laughs> see any movement here. Yes, the Jane Fonda endorsement's going to really put David Siegel right over the top. No, I think... Huh. 
Look, Seth Magaziner is running the the he. This is the perfect race for him right now, right? It is. He's got all the support. He's got all the money. He looks like he's way up in the polls, and he can just turn his attention, focus on Alan Fung, and nobody's really taking any kind of swings at him. You've seen Joy Fox kind of attack him for not living in the district. He now lives in the district. Um, you know, so unless you get some reason for, you know, for people to vote for somebody else, I mean, he's almost, he's as strong as the incumbent in most years in in this race. And he's running like it. I think all these other candidates, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is part of me thought, okay, Joy Fox, somebody who's been around here, who's going to need to work in this world after she leaves, you know, this race or after she, you know, after she eventually loses, She's probably going to try to be a little hands off. She, you know, she, you don't want to spoil any relationships down the line. It's, you know, I hate to say that, but that is kind of the way this thing works. I thought Sarah Morgenthau was going to be the person who would kind of come out swinging. She has nothing yeah. to lose. She just, I mean, let's face it. She's probably not going to come, you know, stay in Rhode Island forever right. if she loses. So go out, try to put up your best campaign to win this race. But you're right. They're all, they're all doing this thing where they want to talk about Kevin McCarthy. They want to talk about Trump, but they have no interest in having like an actual discussion about what differentiates themselves from the, the clear front runner. Um, and, and that's perfect for Seth magazine. It just means he can, he can, you know, th- that campaign is thrilled that they, they just went on air, you know, with a television commercial that they thought yep. they, they thought they were going to have to, you know, go on air early in the summer. They never had to, they've stockpiled their money. Uh, You know, they're starting to get, even though, you know, you don't have campaigns work together with this, but you know, they're starting to see super PACs coming together to support him in the general election. So everything is working out for him. The question is just for him is simply, is he kind of that, that figure that can go up against a very likable Republican in Alan Fung um, and that's what's going to be close. People like Alan Fung. I mean, you're seeing it across the board. All the Democrats are like, yeah, Alan's, t- Alan's a great guy. Um, and so I think this is the, the, the challenge here that, that, you know, Magaziner has, but it's not in the primary. It's in the general. Dan McGowan, David Siegel, he's running like a Dylan Conley type campaign. I, for the life of me, if you have any pulse on that, you don't see any press. He's not doing anything. I, he's even in Rhode Island. That to me, I find the most confusing. Like, what is that? I, you know, here's there's there's two sort of ways to look at this, John. So I too am confused by how he's running because to me, it doesn't feel like he's running a campaign to win. It feels like he's no. running a campaign to kind of build relationships for whatever he does next, right? He wants to be a part of kind of these big national progressive groups, yeah. and this is kind of what he does. So on one hand, it's that. I will say, on the other hand. You know, the one place that he is doing well, he is running like uh, basically he's running a, you know, a a city council race in Providence in some ways where he is going to I think he may win the city of Providence um, in this race, but he's going to lose the rest of the, you know, the rest of the district. Uh, So there's a chance that he actually finishes second in this race, but it's going to, if he finishes second, it's going to be a distant second to Seth Magazina. And Dan McGowan, a lot of people don't understand this, but Sarah Morgenthal, I I just don't think they fully understood before her campaign could, could go forward. The first thing she needed to do was get Joy Fox out of the race. At least then, She's like, hey, I'm the only woman in the race. But if you can't accomplish that, I, I think the campaign kind of folds right there. Well, this is this is it's a smart point, because, you know, I remember that weekend where we were all searching for who was going to run for office. And somebody had reached out to me and said, hey, you should talk to Joy Fox. I know this sounds crazy, but she's thinking about it. And she's got a lot of kind of powerful women kind of mm. urging her to do this in the state. We, you know, I did that, confirmed that she was interested in running, end up, you know, she does end up doing this. And the thing is, is that a lot of Rhode Island women, a lot of people who are, you know, lobbyists and people who've been around politics for a long time, really kind of ginned her up and said, you got to do this. By the time Morgenthau actually got in the race, um, I think Joy Fox was, you know, full steam ahead and there was, she, she wasn't ready to have any conversation. And then she was validated by 
not that by any means our poll or uh, the the Channel 12 poll was particularly good for her, but it put her a little bit in front of Morgenthau. And so she was saying, wait a minute, you know, why don't you drop out and support me in this race? Mm. And Sarah Morgenthau is saying, wait, no chance, right? I, I have this, you know, pedigree and legacy. Uh, and this is what you're going to get. You're going to get, you know, uh, potentially a, a, a scenario where neither woman gets, you know, more than 10% of the vote in this primary. Mm. Folks, each day, uh, and I mentioned it, he breaks a lot of scoops. He broke also uh, the magazine move and then the school board. It's one right after the other. Arrives each day in your inbox, Monday through Friday. It's called Roadmap. Gives you links to all the big stories in the globe. And and uh, whether it was when Bill Russell died or the current story about Patriot Front and what they're trying to do with some of these extremist groups. And Dan McGowan, right now, if you'd be so kind to make this uh, offer to everyone who's listening. Very simple. Completely free. Send me a blank email. You don't have to write anything else other than uh, to rinews at globe.com. Rinews at globe.com. I'll know what it is. I'll sign you up and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McDonald. Dan, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again. All right. Talk soon, John. Thanks. Home again, consignment located Governor Francis Shopping Center, fine furniture, art, antiques, glassware, jewelry, buy, sell, or selling consignment and estate sales are provided it's home again consignment call john 401-463-3310 again located right in warwick in the governor francis shopping center home again consignment to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com remember weekdays 11 to 2 but visit the website dipetro.com that's the best way to reach me there's a direct link contact john we also have all our sponsors right there we have unique original reporting stories videos also all our links to social media whether it's facebook when we do facebook live or youtube or twitter it's all right there at the website dipetro.com and then remember once you're there you can also visit the shop we have great gifts that you can get it's a happening all links to the show plus if you ever miss any part of the show it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland you can also look for her on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ice honey maple syrup beef fresh gum over 250 bulk herbs teas and spices plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health poppin and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children there's things for your health stay healthy at it's my health 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant.